Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. So we are in the process of describing what canonic leadership looks like. And here's kind of a hint. It does not look like burnout. All right, so this is in part where some of my passions all come together. This podcast is about self-care, you know, self-care so that you can go the distance with God. And this mini-series, mini-glimpse at uh, canonic leadership um, is a look at a spiritual style of leadership. From there, you can expect me to weave together canonic leadership with self-care. Imagine that with a goal of supporting and encouraging you as a ministry leader. I mean, I could just say I've been there, done that with being a ministry leader and served in pastoral ministry for like about 15 years. And that's the reason I care. And that's true. But I do need to add this. I do need to add this. You are all very close to my heart. And as I listen to stories and walk with ministry leaders, through coaching, and just other conversation, I hear you. I hear you. And and I'm always open to hearing you. So you'll hear more about that a little bit later on in the podcast during a break. But anyway, this podcast exists to help ministry leaders live into something like Ephesians 2.10. You know, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's a question. I mean, if God prepared these, knowing exactly who you are, like just how big of a to-do list do you think God made for you? What was God's idea of the kind of pace and load that you'd exist at? I mean, knowing that we are described, say, in Psalms, like we're frail pieces of grass, you know, there one minute and gone the next as it says there in Psalms, how, how is that the same or different than how, you know, Jesus lived and the kind of pace and load that Jesus lived? At the same time, I kind of want to help you be sure you're not doing the franchise dance. This, this is a term that I coined in my dissertation. So, you know, so you heard it here live First, folks, you heard it. Uh, Years ago, someone discovered that you can make like way more money selling fruit stands instead of just selling the fruit, right? So this is uh, the fruit stand thing is kind of a metaphor for the franchise culture that we see today. And so that is some of the basis of what I want to talk about a bit is whether you are doing the franchise dance or not. Um, This uh, is why then you can see, you go from town to town and you can see the same big box whatnots, you know. But for the sake of this conversation, I want to use McDonald's 
Okay, that's kind of one of the older ones around. Um, no matter which McDonald's you go into, you know, there's kind of the same deal going down. Um, it's it's a package deal. The, uh, when you buy a franchise, it's a package deal. There's required elements. You can have some play with some items, but there's a definite gig that you're signing into. So like at McDonald's, there's a lot of, it seems like there must be a play with the interior design. You know, some places like to put up historic pictures of the town in which they're located. So it seems more homey and like they care about the town and all. And, but basically, I mean, this, it's the same burger, baby, Big Mac or whatever it is that you're going to eat there. The package that they buy to franchise also kind of includes items that might go beyond the typical small startup solo business person could could afford. But you might get the established name. You might get training. You might get a whole host of professional services such as, you know, site selection, managerial assistance, maybe even national advertising, you know. So uh, clearly... Many, many franchises operate really well, and you can buy one for a very large sum of money. But anyway, um, but what happened along the way as the rise of the franchise happened, many denominations in the 20th century kind of organized their structures in this manner in, in what is now a post-Christian era where, you know, the Internet reigns, the future will be more decentralized systems, and, you know, small businesses are a little bit better able to compete, at least through social media, that kind of thing. But mainline denominations that continue to function in this corporate fashion, they seem to be, all right, well, they are declining, while non-denominational churches kind of are flourishing because they can respond more quickly and with a perceived greater flexibility to address the challenges that we face today, whereas some corporate structures are like the slow grind to respond. I mean, like really slow in some cases. So the franchise dance can be a real danger, though, for ministry leaders, especially those who serve in institutionally bound kinds of denominations, uh, you know, you know you're doing the franchise dance when the call of the institution seems to have priority over the spiritual, right? You know, you get your reports in and other denominational expectations are met and all of the business of the church is complete, yada, yada. Yet the mission of God seems to be missing. Craig Van Gelder has written a lot about the missional church and in one of his books, Specifically, if you want to know the name of that book, it is The Ministry of the Missional Church, a Community Led by the Spirit. He does a great overview of the rise of institutions in the United States and how the church era that followed created their structure in similar fashion. So he starts in the book of Acts and he goes through how the first communities of faith followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the big gig of the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit is the director. So then uh, Van Gelder contrasts that to show how the main focus of mission today has often been sacrificed. I mean, he says that uh, serving to ensure 
you know, denominational survival does not produce wholeheartedness towards God. And actually, he says it ensures decline. Go figure. So survival is not a rationale for why your group has to do X, Y, or Z. We got to do it. We got to survive. We got to get kids in here so we survive. We got That really is not, you know, none of the churches that Paul started are still going. Some churches have a certain life cycle, and that's just it. Whereas there are opportunities to rebirth out of a cycle of decline. You can, you can do that. But survival is not a mission, okay? We got to continue. It's not a mission. Serving the institution, unless the servanthood component is properly oriented towards God, actually can help perpetuate a franchise model of operation that is more dependent upon market forces. Hmm. And within today's post-Christian market, serving the institution actually presents kind of a serious challenge. So, you know, the franchise dance is, is a challenge. Hey there, Margie Bryce here with the Krabby Pastor Podcast, always wanting to make sure that what I am serving up is what is going to be most helpful for you. While this is a podcast dedicated to encouraging self-care and especially self-care in leadership, because, you know, you got to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. I also want to make sure I'm offering you the content that, that helps you. I am also always on the hunt for any kind of burnout stories that you'd like to share, and I am always looking for your input on topics of great interest to you, or even even just raise a snarky question at me uh, about life in ministry. That's fine, too. What I have is a form on the KrabbyPastor.com website. And what I need you to do is go to that website, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link, and use the form there to communicate with me so that I can make this podcast be everything that you need it to be and more. Just know any information you provide me uh, is confidential. Unless you say to me, hey, I'd love to be interviewed on your podcast, or I'd love to be a part of chatting it up with you on your podcast. Other than that, uh, unless you make it clear to me that you want to be an active part of it, or you want that kind of exposure, uh, (laughs) I will consider your material a confidential. So go to KrabbyPastor.com. Go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link there and fill out the form and talk to me, please, so I can make this be for you everything that you need for it to be, to be successful and to feel fulfilled in your ministry. So, yeah, you know, the franchise dance is one challenge, and I'm offering canonic leadership as a part of the solution. So kenosis actually is the emptying of self to be filled with God, with God's purposes and God's guidance. And where I want to go with this is in the land of the practical, 
because I believe a life lived following Christ, you know, is highly practical. And the gospel is too. Christianity is not a philosophy to hold in your head and your heart and then just let it rest there and percolate there eternally because love is an action, as in observable, as in you could take a video of someone doing it, all right? So one of the tenets, though, of canonic leadership is that you function primarily as a loyal servant of Jesus Christ. So yeah, you might have denominational requirements, but the highest calling is as a loyal and obedient, that's the action part, servant of Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. Because basically, and this is the important thing for ministry leaders to understand, basically, the people you lead will not go beyond the level of your spirituality. I don't know about you, but I always found that like kind of frightening, really. Let me say that again. The people you lead will not go beyond the level of your spirituality. So as part of being a canonic leader, this means that you are teachable. I always snicker a bit when a congregant says they didn't like to learn those new songs. You know, you're like, I always think, oh my gosh, foundational definition of discipleship is learner. So what you're telling me about yourself is not a good thing here, okay? The same goes for ministry leaders. How open are you to learning new things or maybe learning things that are new to you? This is a high calling to radical discipleship, being a learner of the ways of Jesus because, you know, none of us has this down perfectly and we need reminders Our weekly gatherings are actually all about that. You know, some people are learning new things for the first time, but those longer time disciples, we we get reminders because we need reminders and we need to be open to that, open to that. This, This piece is an identity piece. Do we see ourselves as true servants of God who willingly set aside the rights to ourselves in favor of the leading of the master. And now I'm quoting Oswald Chambers here. He was just radically no-nonsense about servanthood, and he kind of described it like this. A true servant sets aside their ideas about God in favor of relationship with God. Hmm. A true servant sets aside their ideas about God in favor of relationship with God. I mean, that's something to think about. Am I attached to my ideas about Jesus, my ideas about Jesus, or am I attached to my relationship with Jesus? And I'll just kind of leave that there for just a moment because maybe you want to write that down. Maybe you want to ponder on that. I know I pondered on that for a long time, the first few times I encountered it, because it's a great question. A true servant of God, though, hears the master's voice and obeys in all ways and at all times and in all placements, right? Now, wherever God plants your feet. And a true servant of God remains attached to the mission of God, the working of God's purposes in the world, even on behalf of the fickle 
and the misbehaving sheep. Uh, the fickle and the misbehaving sheep. Hmm. And the best example of that is always Jesus Christ, especially in Gethsemane. So, you know, Jesus knew the worldly system of the time. He knew what was in people. And he just really didn't desire to entrust himself to them, especially it says that in John 2, 24 and 25. Yet, yet, because God the Father asked, Jesus did indeed entrust himself fully to humanity who put him to death. This was kind of an unwitting step, wasn't it, by humanity towards fulfilling the mission that Jesus was sent to perform? (laughs) So Jesus emptied himself of his rights to himself, emptied himself of his status, his rank, and certainly set aside his power to be used by God for this work. And who is the beneficiary of this work? Humanity, who Jesus knew firsthand. These guys are not necessarily trustworthy. We can be fickle and misbehaving little sheep. But Jesus aligned himself with the Father's purposes, with the Father's purposes, and stepped into Gethsemane and offered humanity the gift of redemption that his sacrifice worked out in the finest hours of kenosis. His identity was that of a servant of God. So, While some today are still being martyred for the faith in places on the planet, that's not really routine here in North America. And even though it does seem that the gospel thrives under oppression. And while I wouldn't exactly say the church in North America has the air of respectability that it had in previous years, you know, that air of respectability can be dangerous It can actually undermine faith. It can grow pride. It can grow attitudes that say, we are good to go now. We don't have to do anything else. We just have to do the franchise dance. And kenosis gets left, sadly, behind. The very blessings of our faith, if mishandled, can become a detriment to its practice. So I'm going to leave you with these questions to ponder until our next little canonic lesson here. Where in your ministry are you doing the franchise dance? And where are you living as a servant of Jesus Christ? Good questions to explore in your heart and in your life. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, 
make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.